Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we have a crazy story of revenge of exposing a boss's dirty secret. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, I blackmailed the barbershop predator. A lot of people don't like to talk about abuse, especially S.A. It could be because of the unpleasant memories it brings up, or it could be the stigmatization associated with it, but the fact remains the same. So please allow me to buck the trend for a little bit. I have to first clarify that I wasn't the main victim of the story, even if I did have an experience of my own with the main villain. I used to live in a suburban neighborhood, the kind of neighborhood people would usually classify as safe or serene. And indeed it was for the most part, but you know what they say, everything is never as it seems. I worked as a barber in one of the popular barber shops in the neighborhood while I lived there, so I was able to get a scoop on the type of people who lived there, because people usually got gossipy at the barber shop for some reason. From one of those gossip sessions, I found out that there was an actual drug ring operating from inside the estate, which I found really crazy because up until that point, there had never been a bust or showdown I was aware of. So whoever was running these rings must have been very discreet. I would go on to find more about some of the popular people who lived in the neighborhood, and basically any tea I needed on someone popular, I could have sourced while at my job, but that's by the way. There was this guy who used to come to the barber shop to get haircuts regularly, and sometimes I handled it, while other times it would be handled by my other colleague, but it was obvious that I was his favorite barber for some reason. Now, I wasn't bad at my job, but I wasn't the best in the shop by any means, so I felt his preference for me was for something other than my handwork and probably had something to do with my homeliness or charm. I was quite the smooth talker if I do say so myself. As time went on, we would begin to get more familiar because he was always willing to open up whenever I was giving him a haircut, and sometimes he'd even reveal so much that I'd have to change the subject, plus he always gave good tips whenever I was done. We became tight and one day he would call to request for some home service, which wasn't uncommon, as most of our high-end clients preferred home service. So I guessed he wanted to try it out for the first time, and accepted his request. I got to his house with my barbing kit and the first thing I saw were kids, which came as a surprise to me because he'd never mentioned having kids, so I asked if they were his and he confirmed that they were indeed. He then showed me to the room where I was to give him the haircut and told me to get comfortable while he got ready. He also gave me a glass of wine while I waited, which was a nice touch. After a few minutes, he came out looking and smelling different. He was now sporting a net singlet and was wearing probably the fruitiest smelling cologne. I had no idea what was going on and thought it was one of those rituals I heard high-end clients sometimes did, so I stayed coy and got my stuff ready to give him a nice trim. A few seconds into the trim, I began to suspect that this wasn't going to be the regular trim because he started to ask if I liked the way he looked even before I started. I obviously said I did. It began to get weird when he started making lewd comments towards me, talking about how he found me attractive and that if he wasn't married he would have taken me to his favorite spot. At this point, I felt uncomfortable but 
I was determined to finish the job and to also do it as cleanly as possible. So I kept doing my thing regardless and I was foolish for not seeing the signs because after a while he would begin to sensually rub on my arm while making what I'd assume were sexy faces. I asked what he was doing and he told me he wanted me and was ready to pay any amount for my services. And that was when I realized he wasn't just playing and actually wanted something other than a haircut. I instantly rejected his offer and asked him to let me finish so I could leave, but he suddenly turned around and pushed me towards a couch that was behind me and I was too filled with shock and disbelief to even react. So he began to put his hands all over me while telling me to give it a try. My eyes were fixated on the door at this point, so once I overcame the shock, I managed to escape before he could go any further. I even left my barbing kit at his place. I had been essayed for the first time in my life. When I got home later that day, he began to bombard me with calls and text messages and I didn't respond to anyone because I just wanted to forget about the whole incident. I didn't even care about my barbing kid which was important to me at work and I spent the next few days at home feeling traumatic. After clearing my head I decided to resume back at the shop and when I got back I was surprised to see my barbing kit was at my table. Apparently he'd come to return it a few days earlier and lied that I must have forgotten it at his place. This brought out some flashbacks of the incident, but I was determined to forget about it, so I went about my work. During lunch break that day, one of my colleagues approached me to ask what had happened when I went for home service the last time, and I was going to brush off the question, but then he asked if the man had tried anything funny, and when I asked him what he meant, the answer he gave shocked me. Apparently, he was aware of the antics of the man, and told me that was the reason no one else ever accepted his home service requests. This whole time, I thought I was his favorite barber, but it turns out he was just trying to get me to satisfy a fetish. After this conversation, I decided to fully cut the man off and never respond to his requests, even if we ever met afterwards. But as fate may have it, I wasn't going to escape that easily. A few months had passed without seeing the man, and I thought he'd found a new salon to get his haircuts. I always tried my best not to think about the incident, but trauma has a way of making you remember unpleasant things. In general, I was feeling much better at that point, and I'd almost had suppressed the memory until one incident would bring it all back. It was a Friday, and I usually got to work in the afternoon due to some classes I used to take every Friday morning. On getting to work, I was met with a minor scare. I recognized the kids of my now former client waiting for their haircuts. I almost had a panic attack, but to my relief, they weren't with their father and were instead accompanied by a young man who could have been no older than 16. I was curious to find out who he was, so I offered to cut his hair, which he accepted. While trimming his hair, I began to ask him a series of questions in usual barbershop gossip fashion to find out more about who he was and his relationship to the man and found out he was literally a ward to the man and had been around helping with chores for a few months, probably after the last incident we had. I began to pry further because I had some suspicions and after some more interrogation, I opened up to him and he reluctantly told me what I had been suspecting all the while. He was being abused by his guardian. All the fear that I had been feeling towards the man before had turned into rage because this boy was obviously not an adult and he had very little chance of defending himself because he had nowhere to run to. He also revealed to me that he wasn't the only victim, and that he knew at least two who were around the same age range as him. 
At this point, I knew I had to do something to avenge the absolute tribulations this predator had probably put all those boys through. I was able to escape, but they weren't so lucky. I told the boy not to reveal what was said in our conversation, then went back to the colleague of mine who first exposed the man's antics to me to tell him about my discovery and discuss any possible strategies we could devise to make sure he never did this to anyone ever again. After some deliberation, he decided we were going to find a way to bait the man and either blackmail him till he confessed or expose him outright. Creating the perfect plan wasn't easy, but I'd extracted enough information from the boy to know where the man now had his haircuts. So I went there to know more about the place. It was also a popular salon in another end of my neighborhood, which led me to think he had a pattern. So I tried to envisage what the pattern was and went full, what would he do here mode. As I stepped into the salon, it looked astonishingly similar to mine. So astonishing that the first question I asked anyone was if it was the same interior designer who handled the salon I worked at, and it turns out it was. What were the chances? The guy who responded to me was the salon manager, and he didn't cut hair. He just happened to be there at the time, so I tried to describe the man to him and he was able to recognize what I meant. Then he showed me the chair where he usually had his haircuts. After he left, I went over to the chair to see if I could find the barber who worked there. He wasn't there, but one of the other barbers told me he wasn't so far away, so I decided to wait for him to return. He returned about 20 minutes later, and then I approached him for a few questions. And when his answers were consistent with what I expected, I knew he would be down for the plan. The plan was for him to bait the predator into requesting home service and then make recordings of whatever happened as evidence. And he understood the assignment because within two weeks of sharing the plan, he called us to tell us he had secured a home service appointment. It was now time for phase two, get recorded evidence. Phase two was rather straightforward because it had a previous experience, so I knew planting a camera in the room where he had his haircuts was possible, as he always took a few minutes to get ready. My inside guy, the other barber, was spot on with the task once again and was able to get a full event recording, and when I saw the recording, I began to wonder if he put a spell on the man, because while trying to seduce him, he would confess to some of the heinous things he had done in the past. At the end, my guy was smart enough to evade any real abuse by convincing him to set up something more discreet. It almost seemed like he was sent for this particular purpose. We now had the video we sought after, and it was time to move to the next phase, which was either to blackmail him to his wife until he confessed or report him to the authorities. My guy suggested we could do both, but I decided to let the reaction of the man decide. The higher the level of desperation in his reaction, the better our chances of doing both. And when we used an anonymous account to send him a threat attached to the video of what had happened, with my friend's face blurred out, he went into a panic and sent probably a hundred replies to the account, asking us to name our price and begging us not to expose him. We knew we had just hit the jackpot and decided to milk him as much as possible. This wasn't in the initial plans, but I think it's fair to say the money clouded our judgment and it took until his ward reported another attempted assault while I was giving him a haircut for me to realize I'd let external influences alter my primary objective, which was never money, and decided I had to report to the authorities. The other guys who were in on it just wanted the money, so they tried to discourage me, but I was able to make them see the moral side of things and we agreed to send a police report and also to let his wife know. The next day, we sent out the evidence to all the necessary parties as planned, 
and also tried to explain the case he had with the boy who helped around his house and by that evening, news broke out that he'd been taken into police custody for interrogation. And there was also news of his wife going into cardiac arrest, although she would be quickly resuscitated. The man was finally arrested after two months of further investigations, and the last I heard of him, he was still rotting in prison. I feel no remorse for him and no regret for even extorting him initially, because he continued to traumatize young people even after we showed him the evidence against him. I feel sorry for his wife though. Her husband was living a double life and parading himself as a good husband and father while ruining the lives of other people's kids. Last I heard, they got divorced shortly before he was arrested and she was able to secure the house and the kids. So I think she got some form of compensation if I want to look on the bright side. I might have resorted to blackmail, which wasn't the best means possible, but in my mind I felt fulfilled that I was able to save those young people from a very dangerous predator and I wouldn't have been able to do it if his ward hadn't spoken up. So it's important to know that speaking up is one of the most important steps to saving yourself from abuse. Although some of the moral lines were blurred here, I do think they did a net good thing. Honestly, anybody like this that's no longer doing this on the streets, it's for the best. That said, our next story is, I exposed my boss's dirty secret to his fiance. Having an awful boss at work is probably the most relatable experience to adults everywhere. Nearly every single person has a tale of a boss who would actively try to piss them off at their place of work and my case isn't any different. In fact, I've probably had this experience at every place I've worked. Don't look at me negatively. I'm a mostly diligent worker, but I also belong to Gen Z, so I definitely don't accept situations that could cause me some long-term discomfort. And some people may not agree, but I think that should be the standard. My first experience with a wicked boss happened before I even became an adult. Fresh out of high school, I got a job at a pharmacy so I could save up some money for a new phone. I started the job with all the enthusiasm of an adolescent boy who was about to start getting paid, but would quickly realize how Joyce. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tapping the labor market could be when you have an awful boss. The signs might have been there at the beginning, but when you see the world through a rose-colored lens, you tend to be blind to these things. First red flag was when one of my coworkers excitedly quit shortly after I joined. It felt as if I had come to liberate him from his shackles, but I still didn't ask anyone why. Probably because I thought I was going to have some privileges for being a literal child. 
At the start, I would indeed have some privileges for being how young I was, but they usually came from my coworkers who were just happy to have some childlike innocence around. My boss, on the other hand, didn't really care for my age and even at the start would treat me like any of the other guys at the pharmacy. I didn't mind this too much as I saw the behavior as similar to probably every high school math teacher ever, but as months went by, the requirements would get progressively worse. It started when my boss would begin to send me on non-work errands, such as getting him his lunch. I had to actually go out on the streets to buy his lunch. This didn't cause too much discomfort, but he never showed any gratitude and it looked as if that was part of my job description. He continued to subtly add side quests to the job I was hired to do, but nothing was crazy enough to make me quit until he started to take advantage of the proximity of my house to the pharmacy. One day he would call me at 4am to summon me to the pharmacy because he had to travel and needed someone to help him set up shop before he left, and I was the closest to the pharmacy. I only obliged because I felt some sense of responsibility, as he had to travel and besides I lived close by. In hindsight I should have said no because as soon as he got back from his trip, not even up to two days later, he would make a similar request and when I told him I couldn't make it, at 5am by the way, he got infuriated. That was my cue to know my time there was nearly up. I would continue to rebel against him until the month elapsed and I could finally quit. That would be my only job until I got into university. And if I thought my boss was bad then, I was soon about to see heck. As a university student, I was required to go on post-session internships for my second year. Some internship periods were longer than others, but the one in the fourth year was always the longest. For my second year, I worked in a company that produced chemicals, and even though I had the regular awful boss experience, it lasted only a month and nothing really spectacular happened, so it was hardly a memorable experience. I couldn't find a placement for internship in my third year, so I just followed my dad to his job for around a month to get some work experience. Fourth year internship was always the big one. Everyone looked forward to it because it lasted half the year and you could get paid some good money if you worked at the right place. I wanted to work somewhere popular so I could get some top class exposure but my dad tried to persuade me to just do the internship at his workplace. Not that his place was bad, but there were no workers at my age range working there and I felt I had to be around my peers at such a vital time. So I rejected his offer and continued to apply to some of the biggest names I could think of. And I was eventually able to secure a spot at one of the biggest chemical processing firms in the country. After what seemed like ages, I was finally able to resume at my new job, or internship, and just as I thought, there were a lot of my peers there, so I was ready to bring my competitive edge to the playing field. We were each assigned a handler, technically a boss, who we would answer to and some handlers had multiple interns under their control. I said control because the handlers were in charge of basically everything that happens to an intern from firing and suspending to recommending permanent employment to determining how much you deserved to be paid. They were like workplace gods and the authorities allowed it to be that way. I had never seen anything like it, but I wasn't going to let it deter me because I worked so hard to get there. Plus, it would look good on my CV. My handler was one of the two male handlers out of the seven possible ones I could have been assigned to. He wasn't too tall, but I can't say he was short even though I was taller than him. 
He also sported a shaven head. I couldn't tell if he was bald or if he just loved a shiny head. I also noticed from quite early how flirtatious he was with his female colleagues. So at some point he seemed jovial enough to me, but after I got assigned to him, the first thing he told me was to get rid of my afro if I was going to be one of his interns. I had no option but to shed my fro, which I'd been sporting for close to a year. It was a tough decision, but nothing unbearable since I presumably wouldn't be doing much else for the next six months. I had a female co-intern under the same handler. We were the two interns assigned to my handler, but he would treat her vastly different to me. While we both shared the same duties in the company, I was the only one our handler decided to use as a rag, and all she ever had to do was get him coffee. Meanwhile, I helped him sort his mails, cleaned his office desk daily, and ran on multiple errands to other departments. I ran so many errands that all the other interns would know me by name within the first month. At this point, I didn't have any major issues with it. I was getting paid after all. Got my first paycheck, felt satisfied about the work I'd done and how I adapted my work ethic, but believed I only had to work that hard because it was my first month, and they probably wanted to just test me. So I went into my second month with a fresh mindset. It was a new month and I was feeling a bit more settled now. I got a bit more vocal around work and people would begin to take notice, including my handler. I began to challenge unjust orders a lot more, especially from my handler, and I think he was shaken because he began to try and assert dominance over his zone. He became more reactive and was always trying to set me up so I get in trouble with the authorities. But I was always a step ahead so he seldom had his chance. This didn't mean that I rejected all the errands from him though. I just went for the ones I felt were necessary. All this time, all my co-interns still did for our handler was to get him his daily coffee. Nothing more, nothing less. And he never felt the need to even switch it up after I began to test his resolve. So I began to observe their relationship more closely to know what was up. My handler being flirtatious was common knowledge around the company ground. He was ever the smooth talker when it came to women. And he had a couple of nicknames for his behavior. What he did wasn't harassment by any means, but it was certainly superfluous because they began to look like him fulfilling a habit rather than genuine compliments. There were a couple of us guys, male interns, who didn't like his bipolar treatment of interns because even though we knew how he treated female interns, he didn't seem to care that he treated us in the exact opposite way. So I explained my hunch to them and asked them to also observe his relationship with my co-intern. While I was observing my handler, he was also looking for ways to get me in trouble and he would finally have his chance. It was on a Friday and work was to close at 3pm as opposed to the regular 5pm, so I made plans for post-work activities with some of my fellow interns. Getting to the close of work, my handler called me to help him sort a heap of documents that had been piling up for probably three or four weeks. He said he wanted them filed properly, and I told him the documents were too many for me to file before the close of work, and he told me he would let me go when he was satisfied with the work I had done, and then I asked if I could get some help from my co-intern so we could get more work done, and he declined, telling me he'd given her some work of her own, even if he hadn't. I began to sort the documents as fast as I could so I could get a decent amount of work done before the close of work, but there were so many and even at the close of work I'd barely gone halfway. I continued for a few more minutes after work, hoping my handler would be satisfied and let me go home. 
but he probably decided he wanted me to finish it all and just didn't show up to permit me to go. After about 25 minutes past closing time, I felt I'd done enough work and was ready to continue on Monday if I had to, so I went home and joined my intern friends for some weekend fun. Monday came, and the first thing I would see on my desk was a query from the authorities. Apparently my handler had reported me for negligence and the head of HR believed him so they summoned me to appear in front of a small panel. After explaining myself, they sided with my handler and told me that it was company protocol for me to do whatever my handler tells me within my department. They also handed my handler the power to select what punishment he deemed fit. I was expecting something light, like doing some extra hours after work or cleaning more desks for a week but nothing happened. I was surprised that the guy who had been looking for a chance to show his power just decided to let me go when it finally came. But I wasn't complaining though. Little did I know that he had something evil in store for me. The second month ended and it was time for interns to get their salaries. Everyone got theirs before the end of the second month. But there was a delay for me and I would later realize that my handler had used his powers to strip me of my salary as my punishment. I was absolutely fuming, so I confronted him and he told me he was well within his rights and from that exact moment, I made up my mind to get back at him. I'd been observing his relationship with my co-intern for a while now, along with some other of my intern friends, and we started to suspect that they were having an affair because she would often follow him home on Wednesdays, and so my revenge plan was straightforward after that meeting, find enough proof to expose the affair. While most people at the office knew my handler was a flirt, many didn't know that he had a fiancé. One of my intern friends who had been observing him found out and told us about it. So at this point, my revenge plan was basically about saving her from the flirt monster. As my handler went home on the Wednesday of that week, he would once again be accompanied by my co-intern. So I followed closely behind them, and even though I was expecting something controversial to happen... I was still shocked when I saw them drive into one of the hotels not too far from where the company was located. As they stepped out of the vehicle, I got my phone out and took a couple of photos and continued to trail them. By the time they got to their room, I could already confirm they were having an affair just from their conversation. So I pulled my phone out once again and began to record as much of their conversation as possible, even after they'd gone into the room. Thankfully, the doors of the local hotel weren't soundproof. After I felt satisfied with the evidence I'd gotten, there was only one thing left to do, get them to his fiance. Getting his fiance's number wasn't easy, but thanks to my intern brothers, we were able to fish the information out within a few days, and so I anonymously sent all the evidence I'd gathered to her, explained what had been happening, and crossed my fingers hoping my plan had worked, and it did. The day after I sent all the evidence, my handler was uncharacteristically absent from work, and people began to wonder what had happened. And before you knew it, whispers had begun to spread around that his fiance had caught him cheating and that they'd had a big fight that morning. My co-intern was looking visibly uneasy at this point and was probably the most silent one out of all of the interns because the rest of us were absolutely loving it and making jokes from it. Days went by and we still hadn't heard from my handler before news finally broke that his marriage had been called off. Call me evil, but that was the best announcement I'd ever heard in the company up until that point. My revenge plan had worked to a T. Plus, I was free from the shackles of my handler for over a week, which made it feel better. 
He would eventually return to work after two weeks and still looked obviously distressed. He never found out it was me who leaked his secret, but from that day onwards, he became less flirtatious and also tried to assert his dominance less. I felt a bit sorry for ending his relationship, but at the same time, I also felt a sense of satisfaction for saving his fiancée from a potentially toxic marriage and myself from a toxic workplace. Say what you want, but in the grand scheme of things, I think I did something good. I mean, ultimately, if you can't report this guy because for some reason his overly flirtatious behavior is excused, then I guess you can justify what was going on here. I mean, really, wouldn't it have been better for OP to anonymously reveal this information to their workplace and reveal that this workplace affair had been going on? Because wouldn't that put the boss in hot water? Wouldn't they have maybe have gotten fired or relocated in the company and maybe saved OP from even having to deal with them? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 